was a pleasure for us to be here today. <clears throat> this is um, one of the churches that we've always really enjoyed being able to come back, come back to. Our kids enjoyed uh, getting to know this church two years and years ago with a, with the missions conferences. So it was a, re- a real special uh, church that we've enjoyed being able to be a part of for many, many years. I think it's I think it's been about 17 years. Uh, so our um, our two oldest girls are down at Cedarville now, so we were just coming back up from visiting them, heading back up to Michigan. We're um, going to be on furlough here in the States till January. And um, my wife and I, Heather and I, and our, our daughter Natalie, uh, we're staying up in Michigan until January before we head back to Portugal. And uh, we've started off overseas in South Africa as missionaries uh, about 15-some years ago. And we were there for eight years, and then we... Um, moved to Tanzania, where I was the regional director there, and we worked with the missionaries there, and now we serve up in Portugal as the regional director for Western Europe. And it's uh, just been a real joy for us. As a little recap, some of you have heard this already. If you want to catch the full thing, they may have recorded it uh, for the Sunday school. But uh, we serve the missionaries there in Western Europe, and just a real joy to be able to be building into the missionaries there, encouraging them. Uh, helping equip them as they share the gospel, plant churches, and, uh, and reach people with the gospel. And um, so it's just a real joy to be able to do that. As we reach people with the gospel and try to be a light and a testimony to them, um, our lives need to be like an overflowing stream. And uh, the past couple of years, I've been working on a book here. Uh, so if, I'm going to be sharing a little bit from this today. So if you'd like some, to read more about it, we have some copies out there. Uh, but it's the idea that ministry is an overflow of our heart. That everything we do should be an overflow of, of the heart to other people. Because what they need to see is Christ. They need to see Christ lived out through us, and they need to see Him. And we want to be that for other people. And whether we're doing that overseas, or whether we're doing that here in the States, wherever we are as a disciple of Jesus Christ, as a believer, we're called to be making disciples. And our life is to be kind of like an oasis. And I'm going to be sharing about that this morning. But before we dive into God's Word, let's just go ahead and pray and ask for his blessing on the time today. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for what an amazing God you are. We thank you for your life that you gave for us so that we can have eternal life. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we pray that we will truly understand and grasp the depth of your love for us and what you have given to us, and that that will fill us with incredible joy, Lord. We pray that this morning as we look at some passages from your word, that you will challenge our our lives, challenge our heart, grow us in courage and boldness as as we share this amazing message with others around us, wherever you take us, Lord. And we pray that you would be honored through this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, before I forget, if um, some new we have some new prayer cards back there. If you uh, if you like to take a prayer card to uh, remind you to pray and put it on your fridge or in your Bible or somewhere where, that you'll see it, those are back on the back table back there. And uh, after the service, if you'd like to chat, uh, we'd love to be able to uh, 
to talk with you and uh, catch you after the service. But this morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be talking about how we can, we can become an oasis in the desert. And the illustration for this came from when we, start, when we lived in South Africa. Right above South Africa is a country called Botswana. And in Botswana, there's a river that flows out into the middle of the desert. And it stops in the middle of the desert. It's the only one like it that I'm aware of in the world that does this. It never goes to a, a lake. It never goes to the ocean. But it goes out into the middle of the desert. And every year when that floods, it turns that area into one of the uh, most amazing uh, nature reserves in the world. It's called the Okavango Delta. And animals will migrate from hundreds of miles to come to this to find food and nourishment and refreshment there. And that's what our life is like when we are filled to overflowing. Our life is, is, an, is an overflow, and we become like that desert oasis that shares life-giving water to other people. In the book of 1 Peter 3.15, it says this, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. They ask a reason for the hope that is in you. They see, what that's, what's that saying there is that as these people are asking, they're seeing something in us that's coming out. They're seeing hope. They're seeing joy. And they're asking a reason for that. And so, it says, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. And so you see both those aspects there. You see this heart there in your hearts honoring Christ as holy and then you seeing that they're seeing this hope in us. It's coming out. It's evident to them. And so this morning we're going to be talking about how do we become an oasis to others, an overflowing oasis. So what is an, what is the oasis? The oasis the life of a true follower of Christ is like an oasis in the desert. You see, we have the life-giving water of Jesus Christ in the Word of God, the understanding of salvation. We have that in us. And we have that to share with other, other people around us. But all around us, people are dying from thirst, from spiritual thirst. They're lost, but they don't realize it. And the world is, is kind of like a desert. Spiritually speaking, the world is a desert. People may look satisfied, but they're not. They're searching. Their souls are pursuing satisfaction through one means or another, one after another, but they always pursue it through sin, so they're never going to be satisfied. It never, sin never delivers what it promises, does it? And so if, if the world's kind of like a desert, sin is kind of like a mirage. So when, when, someone, when you're in the desert, everything starts looking like an oasis or water. And when people chase after that, it's like that mirage. It's um, just like when you look at a mirage, it looks like it's going to be something that satisfies. Sin does that to people. And they chase after one thing. And they get there, and what do they get? A mouth of sand. It's, they just, it's nothing. It's just a mirage. And then they see something else, and then boom, they're off to the races after that. And so, so many times we see people like, wow, they look really satisfied, because why? 
they're in the pursuit mode. They see a mirage and they're chasing after it and they think it's going to satisfy them. And it's really exciting. And so they're pursuing it, but every time they get that mouthful of sand, that's when they realize, well, maybe there's a little bit more. But then they see something else and they're off, off again. And so the people that are lost in the desert of sin and spiritual lostness are chasing mirages of sin. They think it's going to satisfy, but it's not. Sin has tricked them into thinking the next mirage is real. And at that moment, they think they're going to be satisfied. Our offer of life-giving water may not sound very appealing. However, when people realize that their pursuit's been a mirage, it's at that time when they're more open to actually listen. They realize that they need life-giving water. And if we're connecting with lost people, we'll have those opportunities more and more to be able to be there when they realize, I actually do need life-giving water. What I'm chasing isn't satisfying. When we're there to be able to do that. For us to be able to do that, though, we need to be connecting with lost people. Right? If we're not around lost people, we're not going to be able to be there to share that hope with them that we have. God's life-giving water is the message of the gospel. The question, though, for us is, are we going to have a a pool, or are we going to be an oasis? See, God's life-giving water is meant for us to share. It's not meant for us to be kept to ourselves. It's meant to be shared. Christ tells, tells us in Matthew 28 to go and make disciples of all nations. So how important is it us is it for us to listen to somebody's last words? And if they've gone through their whole life and they want to be able to leave you with something as they're, as they're going away, challenge to you and to encourage you, that is essential for what that person wants to pass on to us. And that's what Christ did to us. When He was going to heaven, the last thing He wanted us to remember is, go and make disciples. And I'm with you wherever you go. This doesn't mean that all of us go into overseas missions. It, doesn't, it does mean, though, that wherever we go, we should be going towards the lost, going towards lostness, going towards the lost people. If God leads us to a new land, then we must go to the lost day by day in a new land. If God leads us to stay, then day by day we should be going towards the lost wherever we are in our homeland. And to please our master, we need to fulfill his last command. If we don't, and we just kind of keep it to ourselves, it would be the equivalent of taking emergency relief water and filling our swimming pool with it when there's people dying across the street. We need to, be, we need to choose. Are we going to be like the uh, pool of emergency relief water, or are we going to be an oasis in the desert to be able to share Christ with a dying world? Now, to reach people, reach the lost, we have to go and connect with them. And to have the opportunity to share the gospel, we need to be building those relationships with lost people. We need to reach people where they are. I shared a little bit about this, this earlier in Sunday school, but um, the vast majority of people in Europe are not going to come to church. It looks, they just, that's not where they go to get their answers. They're not really sure if church is the place 
to be able to get the information that they need. And they don't really trust the churches. So how do we reach people in that way? Well, we have to go to them. We should always be looking for opportunities in our normal day-to-day life to be sharing Christ as God opens up opportunities. But we should also be intentional about building relationships with lost people so that we have those opportunities on a regular basis. In Luke 7, it says that Christ was a friend of tax collectors and sinners. He was around lost people. If Jesus was, I think, and I think this is okay, I think it's okay if we can too. If we're around lost people, we become a friend of sinners. Not that we condone or take part in all their activities, but that we can be a friend of them. One of the missionaries that we serve with encourages his church to find their tribe. And what he means by that is find the things that you enjoy doing and then go do it with the tribe of people that do that, whether it be um, CrossFit or whatever it is. Finding a group of people that band clubs, choir clubs, all kinds of different things that people are finding to do things to be around other people that are doing that same thing, finding their tribe and doing it with them. And as they do that, people can see, as we do that, people can see our joy in the Lord. They can have, we can have opportunities to share the message of Christ. Uh, We can have gospel conversations with people as we're around them. Others are watching our life and listening to our words. And they want to find refreshment for their souls. They want to find hope. And when they see something different in our life, we'll have the opportunity to share that with them. And they see an overflow of joy in God. So when you think about joy, when they're looking at our they're looking for our hope, they're looking for our joy. What is joy? Well, joy is a response to seeing or or obtaining what we really value. Uh, we can't pursue joy itself. We, we must pursue joy in something. And so, why is it important for us? Why is joy important for us? Because people are looking for that hope and that joy in us. If we're just as unsatisfied as they are, why would they listen to anything we had to say? It's also necessary for us to please God. Psalm 37, 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. It's a command for us to... God commands us to delight ourselves in Him. That's a a good command, right? To delight ourselves in Him. And He says in Psalm 34, 8, says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Joy in God is foundational to us being able to overflow to others. If, we, if we're unsatisfied in, an, in Christ, we're going to dry up inside as well. Our joy in God, our daily joy and worship of Him, is what fills us to be able to spill over to other people. So why does, why does God want us to find our joy in Him? First of all, it's, it helps us to fulfill God's ultimate goal. God's ultimate goal is to glorify Himself. And in Isaiah 48, 11, it says, for, for my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For my glory, or sorry, for my own sake, for my own sake I do it. For how should my name be profaned? 
and my glory I will not give to another. Everything God does in the creation of the world and, in, and all around us, His number one aim is to glorify Himself. We also get the benefit of that through salvation, but He is wanting to display His glory all around us. And so, why is it important for us to find joy in God? Because if we don't, how does that make God look? If we're a servant of the Lord, what is it, how would that make a king look? If, if the servants of the king were kind of like, yeah, I kind of do what he tells me to do, but you know, I don't really enjoy it. Would anyone else really want to come and be a subject of that king? Not so much. But if we are joyfully serving the Lord and loving Him for who He is, other people want to be a part of that. No one wants to join, join, a, uh, join the uh, sad, morose club. They want to join people that enjoy doing what they're doing. And as we as Christians joyfully serve the Lord... Other people look around, look, see our lives and say, that's different. I want to, be a, I want to know what that's about. A quote from John Piper that says, God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in Him. And that includes our delight and our joy in Him. So we glorify God best by delighting in Him. God is more glorified when we delight in who He is because it results in us joyfully displaying His glory. Other people around us get to see our joy and our hope in Him. In Psalm 32, there's a couple of verses in Psalm. Psalm 32:11 says, Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous ones, and shout for joy, all you who are upright in heart. So you kind of see these two parts, this being glad and rejoicing, and then Shouting for joy, so proclaiming it to other people. Psalm 40.16 says, May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. So you see that two-step pattern in both of them. They're, They're rejoicing, being glad in the Lord, and then speaking about it before other people. If our hearts are not rejoicing and being glad, guess what? This isn't going to happen either. We're not going to talk about it. Do you talk about the things that you're really bored about? That are just kind of like yawn? No, we talk about the things that we love. We talk about the things that we find joy in. And so as a Christian, if we want to grow in this part of speaking with courage and boldness, what we need to focus on first is how is our joy in the Lord? How's our joy in the Lord? Is that where it needs to be? Because otherwise, we can try to produce this, but it's not going to be joy-filled. It's not, it's, people are going to see through it, right? If you, if you were to talk to a salesman that was trying to sell you something that they did not believe in, how fast could anyone in this room pick out that it was a fake? How fast? How many of you would buy anything from someone that's like, well, on this, and they're just droning on about it? No, you want to see that... No, they actually believe in what, whatever product they're selling. And the same thing is true for us. As we want to, as, if you want to be able to share your faith with others and be a light and to be able to have them ask a question about the hope that's in you, your life needs to display it. My life needs to display it. We talk about the things we love. Psalm 1611 says, In your presence is fullness of joy. 
In your presence is fullness of joy. What happens when you take a cup and you were to stick it under the tap and you fill it till it's, till it's full and you keep going? It overflows. And the same thing happens to us when we become filled with joy. It spills over into, our, into other parts of our life. It spills over to others. Fullness of joy is more than just being happy. It's being full of joy enough that it overflows to others around us. And so God... Glorif- the way, one of the ways that God glorifies himself is by fully satisfying us in himself. Let me say that again. God glorifies himself by fully satisfying us in himself because then we spill over to others as well. As he satisfies us, we spill over in joy to others. Unbelievers are desperately seeking satisfaction and enjoyment of life, and they'll seek it anywhere they can find it. If we're not being joyfully satisfied in God, we're not going to be an effective witness for Him. They need to see a difference in our life. We must be filled with joy in God so that it will overflow from us. What's in your heart? It's going to come out. What's in my heart? It's going to come out. Like, like we'd read in First Peter, it says, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. They're seeing our heart overflow. What comes out is an overflow of our hope. In Luke six forty five, it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart comes out in our life and our actions, and our words. Is God your greatest joy? Our joy in God will flow through our life of love and sharing the message of the gospel. In Psalm, 7, or Psalm 73, he, uh, the psalmist writes, Whom have I in heaven but you, but you? And there is nothing on earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. In other words, he is fully satisfied in God. He is delighting in him. So my first encouragement to you today is seek God. We need to seek after what is going to bring us the greatest delight and joy in life. Not only in this life, but in the next Our heart should long for and seek for God, just like David did in Psalm 63. He said, O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. In some translations, it's translated, Early I will seek you, because of how important it was. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. If our joy in God is small, seek Him. If our joy in God is great, continue to seek Him. Spend time being with Him. To enjoy God, we need to be with Him as in any kind of relationship, to grow in that relationship, to enjoy that relationship, it takes time to be together with Him. 
And if we're finding joy in God, find ways to talk about Him. Find ways to get in conversations with others about the Lord. If He's filling our heart with joy, it's going to spill out into our words. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Uh, Our joy in God is not enough. I think that's easy to forget. Our joy in God is not enough. It's not meant to be kept just to us. It's meant to be shared. In 1 Corinthians, Paul says, For if I preach the gospel, that gives me no ground for boasting, for necessity is laid upon me. Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So what is our message? What is our message that we share with other people? As servants of God, Christians are messengers. God's entrusted us as his servants to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not just for pastors, it's not just for missionaries, it's for all of us as Christians. We're all given the responsibility, the calling, to be messengers. We're all disciple makers, every one of us in this room. If we're a believer, of Jesus, believer in Jesus Christ, you are called to make disciples. Matthew 28, 19-20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you, and behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. There is no servant of Christ that's exempt from this duty. There's no, like, uh, um, I, I, when you learn a lot of languages, you start losing words. Um, <laughs> you, you can't get a, a, a slip off of work for that. You can't call in sick for that. Um, we're all called to make disciples. And it says in 1 Corinthians, he who plants the seeds of the gospel. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor, for we are God's fellow workers. As servants of God, we are fellow workers of the Lord. He has called us to be seed planters. He causes the growth, but we are to plant the seeds of the gospel. Now, who we are as as Christians is, is more important than what we're doing, but our actions flow out of our hearts. So our, our words, our message, is essential to be pleasing to the Lord. For other people to take the message seriously, though, they need to see it lived out in their life. If they're not seeing it lived out, they're not going to be embracing that message. They're not going to believe that that message is true. They need to see it lived out on a day-by-day, message, or day-by-day basis. But without the message, the messenger, us, we can't fulfill our duty. If we keep our mouth shut, we're not fulfilling the duty that God has given to us. So if our life is to be an oasis, it needs to be bringing that life-giving water to other people. His words, the word of God, is that life-giving message. Jesus said, the, wor- the water that I give, give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. So without the message, no oasis. So why does sharing this message with others, why, is, why does the message matter? Or why does sharing the message matter? 
two different key reasons here. The first is it's necessary for us to please God. Sharing the message is necessary for us to please God. Because it's possible for us to serve God in a way that actually doesn't please Him. We could be doing a lot of work and it actually not be pleasing to the Lord. Part of pleasing the Lord is being a faithful messenger. It's speaking the words that He wants us to speak. In First Thessalonians 2, 4, notice as I read this, um, how pleasing God's connected to our speaking. So First Thessalonians 2, 4 says, Just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. Our speaking is connected to pleasing the Lord. Who do we seek to please, men or God? To seek to please others and to gain their approval is to value acceptance and the praise of other people in this life. But to seek to please God and His approval and the praise of God and the, and is to value His acceptance and His approval in the future. And one of the ways that, or one of the best ways that shows who we're trying to please is what we talk about. If we're trying to please people instead of God, uh, we're going to be not very courageous. We're not going to be very bold in sharing the message of Christ, sharing the message of the gospel. So the task of the servant is to speak. The task of the messenger is to deliver the messenger, uh, deliver the message. And we're sent with the message of eternal life. We may be obeying God in lots of different areas of our life, but if we're missing this, we're missing a key area of pleasing the Lord. And we also give up reward, which is one of the second key areas that this is so important in our life. Our reward is based on how we fulfill our stewardship of the gospel. Delivering the message is the task that God's given to us. If we long for the well done, we need to be faithful in the task that He's given to us, right? You remember the story of the talents where God, where the, the uh, master gives the servants the talents and he comes back to see how they've done with those? Well, the talent, one of the key things that he's given to us to be investing is the gospel, the message to share with other people. He's going to be coming back to see how we've done with investing that around us. In Matthew 25, the master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And in 1 Corinthians says, He who plants, he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. Our reward, part of our reward in heaven is based on how we steward the gospel that he has given to us. How are we doing with that in our life? I know, for, if, I know if I can speak for myself, I need, to be doing, I need to be more faithful at this too. And so I just challenge you to be praying for opportunities to speak and praying for the courage and the boldness to be able to do that as well. So how can we plant gospel seeds? So just some practical things. You can't always jump right to the gospel, can you? If you do, you're probably going to get viewed like a 
traveling salesmen, and they're going to be like, whoa. So how do we, how do we start? Um, one, there's a few different ways. One way is to find ways to mention God, prayer, and the Bible in your conversations. And I, I like to use the phrase uh, gospel conversations as maybe opposed to gospel confrontations where you kind of launch at them. You want to be able to have a conversation with someone. They want to be able, you want them to be able to open up and share where they're at. So having that phrase, that idea of gospel conversations. And so find new ways to mention God, prayer, and the Bible in your conversations. And sometimes they, they may perk up and you can start a dialogue, a conversation about, about the Lord. Another way is to say, hey, use the phrase, you know, after someone says something, you know, that, that, what you said reminds me of something in the Bible where it says, and then you can share a, a, a verse or a passage, some truth from God's Word, and you never know what God's going to do with the sword of the Spirit in their life as you've shared that. Another way that I've used multiple times, and this, is, and this works even for people that say they're atheists, is to say, you know, I take time to pray every day. Is there anything I can pray for you, pray for you about? And even people that are not Christians that, are, that say they don't believe in God are like, well, yeah, actually, you could pray for this and this and this. And you never know what God's going to do in answering that prayer to make those people see that, well, actually, maybe there is a God. And get them thinking about that. Or to be thinking, well, you know, maybe I should pray. Maybe there is a higher being. And it's to open their up to, listen, to, uh, to be considering the fact that there could be a God. What it also does is it shows love. It shows that you actually care about them. And you're not just trying to push a message down their throat, that you actually genuinely care about them and, and want the best for them. And so just taking time to listen to their story, say, hey, what can I be praying for you about? And maybe God will lead you to pray for them right then. Uh, I've seen a lot of people do this in restaurants too, where, the, where, the, where they're in a restaurant and the waiter, waitress or waiter will come and say, hey, you know what? Before a meal every day, we like to pray. And is there anything that we can pray for you about? Simple way to do that, but you never know what God's going to do through that. Another simple way that you can be using is, is using questions. You want to start a conversation, and so questions are a great way to do that. Some of them that you could use would be, hey, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm curious, you know, what, what do you believe about Jesus? I'm just, I'm just, I want to hear from you. What, do you. what do you think about Jesus, and what have, you, what have you understood about that? Or, hey, I'm a Christian, and I'm wondering, do you have any questions about Jesus. Another one that um, I've, uh, I've started using this one is, uh, you know, hey, many people consider themselves in a spiritual journey. What, how about you? Where, do you? where do you see yourself on that journey? Where are you at on that journey? And then just listen to them as they share. Um, I, was, I tried using this on the airplane the other day. We were flying overseas for some meetings, and he said, you know, I, I used to be, but I'm not really anymore. And so I was kind of like, uh, I didn't know really where to go from that. But on the way up here today, I thought of next time if someone were to say that, I'd say, well, you know, what happened that caused that to change? So next time when someone says that, I'm going to use that. Um, but look for ways to open conversations, to be able to hear what they have to, what they're believing, what God's done in their life, and have opportunities to plant gospel seeds. It doesn't mean you have to unpack the entire gospel in one conversation. 
if they're still struggling with the existence of God, if you're telling them way over here that, well, actually, you know, you need to trust in Christ, you may need to be back here planting some different gospel seeds to help them move through the process of trusting in God and seeing that they're a sinner and their need for Christ. So don't feel that every conversation has you have to get through the entire gospel. God may have them run into someone else that plants another gospel seed somewhere else. Do what you can in the conversations that God gives you to plant gospel truths in their life and see and just trust that God's going to grow the seeds as you do that. God's well done goes to those who multiply their stewardship of the gospel by spreading it to others. We can't bury it. We can't bury the talent of the gospel. So kind of just in closing, with the big picture, do we desire to see God glorified through our life? If we do, then we need to be speaking the gospel. We need to be letting God overflow from our life in our joy, in our words, and our love. We can't keep it to ourselves. It has to be shared with other people. The message must overflow from us and overflow out of our life. And what's in our heart is what's going to come out. What's in our heart is going to overflow. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so if we're having a, a speaking problem, it's really a heart problem. And it really is something that we need to be growing in our love and our joy and delight in God day by day. And that's where our focus needs to be. God has sent us out as his servants into this desert of a world to be in a place that where people are surrounded or we're surrounded by people that are lost. They are seeking satisfaction and we have the message of hope. We have the life-giving water of Jesus Christ to share with them. But for them to find that, they have to trust in Christ. It says for in Acts 4.12, it says, For there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. And Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14.6. So to believe, though, they have to hear the message. They have to hear the message of Christ. We read this morning Romans 10.13-15. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call upon him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him in whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And your life may be one that takes the good news to others around you. Wherever he takes you, you have the opportunity to be an overflowing oasis of joy to others with the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Without the message, there's no oasis. But with the message, we can become an overflowing oasis to others. And they will see the joy of Christ in us and ask a reason for the hope that is in us. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your greatness, your salvation that you've given to us. We pray that you will help us just to truly grasp the greatness of your gift of salvation. That we will also greatly grasp 
how great you are and we'll find our daily joy in you, which spills over into all of our life. We pray that you will help us to be bold and courageous in starting gospel conversations with those around us, to be building friendships with those that need you, and that we will uh, be faithful to share your word with others and live it day by day, Lord. And we pray that in, in all of this, that you would receive the glory and the honor in all things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.